sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. What will be the 2020 end of the season for LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers? They are in the catbird seat as pretty prohibitive favorites to advance to yet another NBA championship with the Los Angeles Clippers going out. But the Denver Nuggets stand in the way after beating the Los Angeles Clippers three straight games. We will discuss that and a whole lot more here on this edition of Fantasy Sports Today. We'll give you a little bit of a DFS preview as Jim Sanis from Numberfire will join us on the show. We'll give you a quarterback, a receiver, and of course a running back to take a look at this week. Also, the Super Contest picks are due on Saturday and at the Westgate Resort. We're into week two of that. Howard Bender and I will give you our early leans on what we could be picking on Saturday night. And Joe certainly will be looking at a big NFL weekend coming up ahead. Uh, always some fun discussion with that. But look, LeBron James is you know certainly in that conversation for greatest NBA player of all time. Always a fun debate to have. And you would think, at the very least, this would be a series that the Lakers can win, but Denver has really surprised a lot of people. And when you have one player in particular who can light up the scoreboard, uh, like Murray, it does create an interesting situation. So that will begin tonight in Orlando. Yeah, yeah NBA is in full swing right now. We got NFL, MLB. I mean, this is this is fun. I mean, it's not something we usually have to deal with. Is NBA playoffs this time of year? It's become a really interesting wrinkle into the sports landscape. There's no doubt about it. But uh, certainly a fun one, nonetheless, especially having nothing for as many months as we had. We're definitely getting everything at once. Sometimes it feels like overload, but uh, certainly we'll see if the Lakers here can uh, make this run and continue to add some hardware to the trophy case of LeBron James, which is already pretty full, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's got maybe more than one trophy case at home. Just going to take a guess there. Yeah, uh, several tri uh, championships for him, and maybe this is another one headed. Although, look, Miami looks fantastic, and if the Heat doesn't advance to the uh, finals, that means that Boston looked fantastic. So it's it's definitely going to be a challenge, and I would say that the champion is up in the air at this point for sure. All right, champion also up in the air at the U.S. Open, although uh, Justin Thomas is getting off to a really good start. He is the leader right now as they are teeing off uh, Tiger Woods, of course. This is... Uh, back on the uh, course at the U.S. Open, Woods did not have a first good day yesterday. We'll keep an eye on him and see how he does on what they call moving day today. Uh, Denver and the Los Angeles Lakers, again, will play tonight. Denver's getting seven points. Not a lot of respect for them even coming off their win over the Clippers. Ohio State's cornerback Sean Wade is back in action. He is going to play for the Buckeyes this season. He's a first-round pick, no doubt about that. Two games in college already postponed slash canceled. UNC and Charlotte not going to play that game. Not enough offensive linemen due to COVID issues. And also Florida Atlantic University, they were supposed to play tomorrow at noon. They are not playing as well. So those of you who have placed bets over on the FanDuel Sportsbook, you'll be getting a refund shortly. Uh, also, Padres Mariners moved to San Diego this week. This was supposed to be a Padres road game where they could have clinched a playoff spot tonight. And, uh, and they're not going to be playing uh, that game in Seattle. They're going to be playing in san diego due to the wildfires and of course joe monday night football is supposed to be played in seattle there really hasn't been a lot of discussion on not playing the game because of the nfl just basically is going to play through hailstorms they don't care you know they're they're right. they're essentially going to play through whatever they possibly have to but 
I am curious to, to hear if anything would change. And all it would take, Joe, is one tweet, right, from any of the insiders saying there's even a question. And then we would mm -hmm. start to have to question what we would do on Monday night. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, it's a Sunday night football game because Monday night is opening. They have a new spot, too, uh, in Las Vegas. So that should be fun to see that new stadium. But, uh, yeah, look, it's definitely something you have to keep an eye on right now and, and see how that's going. I don't know if they're going to cancel it outright or just move the game. Uh, from a travel and logistical standpoint, I imagine if anything's going on with canceling it, we would know probably in the next 12 hours or so if that's something on the docket. But it's something you have to pay close attention to because it does gonna, is going to have an impact potentially on your fantasy <laughs> shares as well if that game gets somehow canceled altogether at the last minute, which is very un-NFL-like. Uh, our guess is probably that they're, you know, investigating all the different options they might have, but maybe they feel by Sunday they have a little bit more leeway and a little bit more uh, than Major League Baseball does where, hey, you know, you got to play a series of games. Let's not take the risk. Let's just move the series of games. And baseball certainly has been more apt to move their pieces around and this jigsaw puzzle that has become the Major League Baseball season where, yeah, we're going to move this game to here. We're going to play seven innings there. And the next day we're going to flip around and play seven. Innings. I mean, it's been insane what Major League Baseball has done. NFL has got that one game. If they feel like they can control that environment and get it off there, I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to do so, especially on a primetime game like that. And look, a primetime game with two huge teams, too. I mean, you got Cam Newton, you got Russell Wilson, you got Bill Belichick, you got Pete Carroll. That is a big-time primetime game, and I don't think you want to lose that. So we'll keep a close eye. But I imagine if they haven't moved it yet, that they're probably not going to, Craig. Do you think that there's still time enough for them to make a decision on this and change anything if they have to? Yeah, they, they could make that call today. But, uh, you know, I, I think the thing is it's, it's kind of easy if they have to move the game because there's no fans. So they could just right. move it to another location. And certainly, I mean, Seattle would get hurt a lot by not having a home game. But is it really that much of a home field advantage when – when there are no fans there, and, and really their big thing is the 12th man. So, look, I, I think it inevitably will get played, whether it's in Seattle or or maybe at a neutral site somewhere else. They'll just have to get it sorted out. Uh, Cortland Sutton, questionable going into the weekend against Pittsburgh. That according to Vic Fangio. So that's updated in the last 30 minutes. Also at the press conference for the Miami Dolphins today, Brian Flores saying Devontae Parker is also questionable game time decision uh, coming up this week, and certainly, look, Buffalo's a very good defense, and I don't know a lot of people that'll be starting Parker regardless of that. All right, we'll take a quick time out here on the show. Speaking of which, who to play at wide receiver in DFS? Jim Sanis is going to join us from Number Fire, give you the full breakdown, who's in and who's out. We'll have it next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So, of course, week two of DFS is already in our minds. To break it all down, we bring in Jim Sanis, of course, of Number Fire. You can follow Jim on Twitter, at Jim Sanis. He is our guy that's going to help us and help you make some money over on FanDuel this weekend. Jim, thanks once again for coming on. Appreciate it. How was your week? It was pretty good. It was fun to actually have some NFL uh, action to watch. And I think that week two is always the best week because we have actual data to look at now. Uh, but I think that week two is my favorite week for NFL DFS. Well, I'm happy to hear that because I certainly could use some help. Uh, last week, for the first time, I was inspired and 
you know, threw five dollars in a in a double yeah. up, came came just short, and that had some good selections through Crowder in there and a couple of good players, but Ingram let me down, a couple of other guys, and that's just the nature of it. I'm gonna get back on my horse this week, but first I want to check in with you and get your opinion. Uh, let's start off with some of the pricing, which I think is important for those people who haven't looked yet. Let's take a look at the quarterback position right now. And for this week, Jim, we'll start at the top, and then certainly if you have any other suggestions, feel free to throw them at us. We got Lamar Jackson this week at 9500 at Houston. Patrick Mahomes, always expensive at 9000 Dak Prescott, 8300 against that Atlanta defense. Josh Allen, 8200 against Miami, another juicy matchup there. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals are big favorites this week, and he is 8000 this week. Deshaun Watson is 7900 and Aaron Rodgers, even after the big week last week, still sitting there at $7,900 this week. Uh, Jim, in your analysis, looking at the week ahead, who are some of the guys that you could potentially be targeting and for what reason? Yeah, Dak Prescott, I think, is the number one quarterback for me once you consider the salary because he is at home in a potential shootout. I also love that this game is indoors. I always want games indoors because there's less wind to influence things. Dak Prescott gets that this week in the Cowboys. I don't look at home road splits for almost any team. The Cowboys are a very strange team, though, and we've seen this over an increasingly large sample where they tend to play a lot better at home. Makes sense because it is indoors, and they are indoors for this week. So Dak Prescott is my number one quarterback once you consider salary this week, stacking him with Zeke, uh, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, even Dalton Schultz, all that on the table for Dak Prescott. If you want a little bit lower salary player, I think that both sides of the Rams-Eagles game are in play, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Sounds like Lane Johnson will be back this week for Philadelphia. And Carson Wentz, if you look at his career splits, he is a lot better when Lane Johnson is out there. So that's a major get back for this Philadelphia offense. I'm not totally buying into the Rams defense, despite what they did against Dallas last week. So I think that Wentz is in a good bounce back spot. But, you know, Jared Goff uh, looked decent last week. Didn't throw the ball downfield all that much. But I think this could be a spot for them to open things up. He and Robert Woods pair really well together. But Dak and then that, that Rams-Eagles game. My favorite two targets for week two. Yeah, really interesting note on Lane Johnson. I have never seen a player at a non-skilled position, Jim, be as important yeah. as Lane Johnson is to the Philadelphia Eagles. And certainly, let's not forget Miles Sanders is potentially back too. And certainly, he's a game changer. But uh, I, don't, I can't believe that the that the Eagles only win thirty percent of their games without Lane Johnson. But you illustrated it the right way. I think that is the key for them, and we'll keep an eye on Wentz for sure this week. All right, now moving over to the running back position. Christian McCaffrey has had his issues against the Buccaneers, but the FanDuel DFS site doesn't care. 10500 <laughs> this week. Uh, you, you saw what happened, sort of a mixed bag for him last week. It's almost like Matt Rule woke up in the second half and said, wow, I have Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> you may want to give him the ball, but yet he didn't give it to him on fourth and one. Uh, Saquon <laughs> Barkley is at 9,000, a lot of catches, not a lot of yards in week one. Dalvin Cook, 8,800, that's about where he should be. Zeke at 8,600. Derrick Henry coming off another 100-yard game, 8,300. The mover this week, of course, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as he should be, up to 8,000 this week on the site. And then Aaron Jones we have at 7,700. So certainly, in all likelihood, Jim, you'll be able to choose one of these and then maybe have to go for a lower-end option. I suppose that's where we can start. 
Yeah, I think that for me, there are really four running backs I view as being in a tier of their own for this week. Those guys are Zeke Elliott, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and then Jonathan Taylor as a lower salary guy. Taylor is $5,700. He's stepping into the lead role for the Colts with Marlon Mack being on injured reserve. And Taylor's going to get passing down work. We saw that in week one. He's an electric player playing, playing behind arguably the best offensive line in football against a very young Vikings team. So Taylor, if you want to save salary, is a great play there. I think that between Edwards, Hilaire, Henry, and Zeke, you kind of just pick whichever one you like most because all three are in awesome spots. Zeke's in a shootout. I like running backs in shootouts because it gets some additional targets. Zeke had four targets in week one, played 88% of the snaps, so I dig that for sure. Derrick Henry ran 22 pass routes in week number one, according to Pro Football Focus, which is the most he has run in any regular season game in his entire career. That's a good thing for him because we want passing down work for our backs. He doesn't usually get it, but could get it uh, with Darrington Evans still working his way back from some injuries in training camp. As far as Edwards Hilaire, like you said, it's kind of a no-brainer. He got a ton of carries last week. I'd expect the target numbers to go up because that was the biggest skill he flashed in college. And Patrick Mahomes, every target you get from Patrick Mahomes is just worth so much. So you can kind of rank those three however you want, but I think that uh, if you include them with Taylor, you know, get some combination, three of those four players, you use one in your flex, I think you'll be off on the right foot. But those four to me, definitively, the four guys I want to use most on Sunday. Hey, Jim, before we close out at wide receiver, are, are you scared off with how McCaffrey played against Tampa Bay last year? Do you think that is real? The site certainly doesn't think that, but I know that there are some that basically think that the Bucks have his number, so to speak. I think it was luck or skill. No, I think they're a very good rush defense. Uh, I think that I'm still willing to use McCaffrey because most of the reason you're using Christian McCaffrey is not for rushing yardage using for for his passing down work. And he's still going to get that. So I would say McCaffrey is still worth his salary. I am just okay taking the savings and jumping down like $2,000 to Zeke and Derrick Henry. So if I have one lineup, Christian McCaffrey will probably not be in there. But if I'm filling out, let's say, 10 lineups, I'm probably going to get McCaffrey in two or so of those just because he's still worth it, despite the fact the Bucs are a legitimately awesome rush defense. Yeah, great point, Jim, for sure. Okay, a wide receiver is extremely murky. There's no doubt. And, and when we take a look at this, there are two players that are priced in the midst here that I did not include, and that is Godwin and Galladay, because certainly at the stage of us doing this show, we are not clear as to either will or won't play, and so it would be unwise for us to give out advice of using a player that is iffy at this point. Those of you who are watching and you're going to set your lineup on Sunday, understand that's why we didn't include them in this conversation. So certainly they are questionable. Crowder, who had the big week, is questionable. We need some help here, Jim. Let's take a look. <laughs> Uh, Devontae Adams, only 8,600, no receiver priced at nine grand this week. DeAndre Hopkins at 8,300. Julio Jones off the big week at 8,200. Tyreek Hill is 8,000. Mike Evans, who you would think gets a little bit of a bump with Godwin potentially not being in there, but is he 100% healthy? And then uh, Adam Thielen with a really good sign last week, Jim, regardless of the scenario, does seem to be a guy that, when healthy, is going to be the main target of Kirk Cousins, and that was good to see last week. But uh, I'm thinking that uh, we're going to be diving deep this week, Jim, into some <laughs> other options here. Michael Thomas, of course, uh, for Monday night, if those people are playing with the Monday night slate, too, that's something to address as well. But uh, when you look at receiver this week, is is there value here with the top guys? Is there more throwing a dart here near the bottom? What do you? How do you have it? 
Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, Craig, talking about uh, Chris Godwin being out. That would be big for Mike Evans. So I think that as long as we get him to get in a full practice by Friday, I feel pretty good about Evans regardless because, you know, he ran a lot of routes in week number one. I believe he actually ran around in every single pass play they ran. So I think that Evans should be healthier this week. There's no Marshawn Lattimore this week facing a, a terrible Panther secondary. So Evans works, but I'm also okay jumping down to Scotty Miller. He's $5,200 and played quite a bit this past week. He would probably operate in the slot a bit more if Godwin cannot go. And Miller's a pretty fast guy. 4.4440 came out of college, so he can burn a bit too. So I think that both Evans and Scotty Miller are guys who could benefit if Chris Godwin cannot go. If you can get to Devontae Adams, I still think you alluded to there is no one being at $9,000. I think he should be above $9,000. Like that target share for him is going to be absurd. Facing Detroit, make it to Jeff Okuda back this week, but not something that would fa- uh, scare me away too much when it comes to Devontae Adams. If you can get there for for sure, I am in. As far as some mid-range guys, Robert Woods, $6,700, got tremendous target share down the stretch last year from the Rams. We saw that again in week number one. In that exact same game, Deshaun Jackson is $5,500 and Jalen Rager is $51. There is some risk with them facing Jalen Ramsey a bit this week, but I'm still on board. I think that this Eagles offense is going to bounce back, and with the way Carson Wentz is chucking it downfield to those two guys this last week, I think they're in line for a potential big game. So Woods, Jackson, and Rager in that same game all players I'd keep an eye on with mid-range or lower salaries. Uh, Jim, thank you again so much for coming on. Of course, follow Jim on Twitter, at Jim Sanis, some of the best DFS advice in the country. Of course, Number Fire is where you can find a lot more. Uh, good luck this weekend, Jim. We'll catch up again next week. Thanks again. Thank, thank you, Craig. Same to you as well. Appreciate it. All right, Jim Sanis with us. We'll dive into the Week 2 Super Contest lines with Howard Bender next. Stay tuned. More fantasy sports today coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's week two in the NFL. We hit on the DFS side with Jim Sanis. Now we go to the wagering side with my pal Howard Bender. You can catch Howard and I on live streams every Saturday night where we pick against the spread in the Westgate Super Contest. We are three and two after week one, and we are firing all cylinders here going into week two. Just for full clarity on it, Howard, I thought that we had a pretty good week last week. We got the three big wins, of course. Really, New England, never really much in doubt. Green Bay, never much in doubt. Denver, eked out a win for us on Monday night covering the spread. Unfortunately, Carolina could not come through for us, although that game was very close, and then we won't talk about the Cowboys. <laughs> we definitely won't talk about the Cowboys. I think the the one that, that could have, uh, you know, tipped the scales for us, we were in it till the very, very end, and, uh, and Carolina looked like they could conceivably cover the spread. I mean, when you're sitting there at the tail end of the game, I think Matt Rule learned a little bit of a lesson that when you need that one yard – you invest in Christian McCaffrey. You don't hand it off to the fullback who has no experience whatsoever. Sure. And look, Carolina Bridgewater could have thrown an interception on the next play, but you're 100% right. 
Uh, that was the wrong call. Let's also be clear, as we talk about many times here on my show on Fantasy Sports Today or on our live streams on Wager Alarm, what more can you ask for than being in a game in the fourth quarter with a few minutes to play and the spread still in jeopardy? That's what you're looking for in the games that you're losing. and the wins, you'd love to be in a, in a much better spot. But if you lose a game in the last couple of minutes, in all likelihood, you were unlucky. It wasn't about being bad. Uh, but the Westgate has put out the lines, of course, for the Super Contest in week two, Howard and I will actually pick them on Saturday night. Let's take a look at what we're looking at, Howard, in the card this week. The Philadelphia Eagles are minus one against the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, the Eagles coming off a very disappointing loss. Rams coming off a game. Some people thought that ah, maybe they shouldn't have won. Of course, that was the Dallas game. But the Eagles are a very light favorite. In fact, some other places, including on FanDuel, the line is even or Rams minus one. Buccaneers are minus nine against the Carolina Panthers, a big favorite this week. Pittsburgh minus seven against Denver. Dallas minus four and a half, a favorite again against the Atlanta Falcons. We saw a little bit of a shift. Howard with Dallas, they were six. It's now down to four and a half there uh, for the Super Contest. And certainly, I would think that the Buccaneers are going to show us a little more than they did last week against the Saints this week. When you look at these uh, these lines, any kind of pique your interest? Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, yeah, I, I do look at the Buccaneers and think home game. Uh, you know, the defense has made some improvements there. The nine points, it's a lot to give, especially when you do have the firepower that Carolina does have. Um, I would probably kind of, you know, at this point, I would tilt towards taking Carolina, but I mean, it's going to be really hard to go against Tampa at home with everything that they've invested in this team. Uh, I thought Tampa Bay had a uh, had a had a better shot uh, defensively against Carolina. So the lean right now is uh, is regretting a potential backdoor cover, but I, I could be swayed to go the other way if you had a, a better argument. Uh, are you with me in thinking that this Eagles line is very bizarre? Why are they not favored this week? Why is this line only one? I don't understand it. Does that mean the Rams are going to win? Shouldn't the Eagles be a favorite at home? You would think. I think, again, this is an overreaction to their loss against Washington, and it's a lot of people underrating Washington's defense uh, and, and just expecting them to get you know laid out by the Eagles. Eagles are getting by, back Miles Sanders uh, this week, so I kind of feel like it should tilt towards them. I mean, this is this is kind of a pick 'em here, so <clears throat> I would actually lean Eagles at home if it's just a one point game. Yeah, and it, and it will be for us. That's a game we'll look at tomorrow night. Okay, let's take a look at the next slate of games here. These are all the early games as well. We have the 49ers, six and a half point favorites against the Jets. That now is seven over on FanDuel, six and a half for the contest. Bills also on the road, laying five and a half against the Dolphins, who struggled mightily on offense for sure. Boy, the Indianapolis Colts, only three-point favorites at home against the Vikings, tells you all you need to know about their first week. And then Green Bay, as well as they played, a little bit of a sign here, too. Maybe hold the phone on the Packers, because they're only six-point favorites against the Lions in week one here. So uh, certainly, I think, Howard, some definitely very uh, overreactions on some lines but also attempting uh, you a little bit on some others here. I mean, there's going to be a lot of temptation for people to take the Packers, but then you ask yourself if the Packers are so good, they're not even a touchdown over the Lions who completely blew it last week. They did completely blow it, but for the same token, it came down to that final catch, and DeAndre Swift makes that catch. It's a different story with that game against the Bears. So, you know, I could understand the uh, you know the potential overreaction to Green Bay's thrashing of of Minnesota, 
But the game actually of, of the ones that you just mentioned there, you know, I know we love to go with our home dogs and I just can't go with the Jets and I'm having a tough time going <laughs> with the Dolphins right now. But how about this one? How about the Vikings as a road dog to the Colts? Like I kind of, you know, when I when I look at this a little bit more, I think a lot of this really hinges on Philip Rivers and what kind of a game he's supposed to play. Now they lose Marlon Mack. You're going to see Jonathan Taylor unleashed for the very first time uh, as the lead back here. But, you know, I kind of feel like Minnesota can tighten things up. And I just I worry about this Colts defense. You look at this Colts defense last week against Jacksonville. They quit on this game and they quit early. And when you see the secondary kind of pull back like that, Matt, you know, I, I know that that not having Stefan Diggs really ruins that passing attack for the Vikings. But I think Kubiak uh, ground and pound it with uh, with Dalvin Cook excessively. And that's going to open things up. I'm kind of leaning on that one. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Joe and I were talking about this yesterday. My feeling on the Colts, Howard, is that if the Colts fall this week, they could be one of the big surprise disappointments in the NFL this year, going from a to win total that was eight or nine to maybe only a couple of wins, maybe. I mean, honestly, they look that bad against Jacksonville. They have to win this week, I think, for us to have any semblance of confidence. All right, now let's move on to uh, some of the early games and then the late games. The Bears are five-and-a-half-point favorites over the New York Giants. Wow, I, I guess the Giants are just that bad because the Bears didn't look good to me at all. Tennessee, of course, Jacksonville is going to be getting a lot of points in every game. Some of them they'll cover. Some of them they won't. This one, they got the Titans minus eight and a half. Arizona, a very big overreaction in my mind here, being six and a half point favorites against Washington. Although maybe Washington, it was a one week wonder. That's possible, too. Uh, Baltimore, uh, Houston's getting no respect at all. Baltimore, seven point favorites on the road. And then the Chiefs are minus eight and a half at the Chargers. So. 49ers, big favorites on the road. Bills, significant favorite on the road. Titans, big favorite on the road. Ravens, big favorite on the road. Chiefs, big favorite on the road. This is the NFL, Howard. I mean, some home dogs are going to win outright this week. It's, you can't have every single one of these teams winning cover. It's not possible. No, but, I mean, who are the home dogs that we're looking at here? We're looking at the Jets. We're looking at the Dolphins. We're looking at the Texans, and we're looking at the Chargers. Now, the Chargers, it's kind of funny. With the eight and a half, uh, you and I, we talked about this game beforehand. Uh, and wouldn't it be that kind of a backdoor cover where you're looking at a, at a developing offense in, you know, in Los Angeles, uh, changing around the scheme, adjusting the personnel the way they're supposed to do it, um, I think Kansas City can easily win this game outright. However, I think they can also take their foot off the gas a little bit uh, and let the Chargers kind of sneak in. Of the games that you just mentioned, I think I'm kind of leaning on the Giants getting the five and a half against the Bears. Bears secondary has had its trouble. Um, again, the Lions were just uh, you know just barely about to win that game. Uh, and I listen, I think that the uh, the defense that you're talking about with Chicago versus the defense that they faced against Pittsburgh, well, I, I'm going to kind of lean on the Giants there. I think they could keep this one close. Yeah, it, it looks like the easiest game on the board. That's the problem for me. It's like, how can you not take those points against the Bears? How are the Bears five and a half point favorites over anyone based on the way that they've looked? Uh, you know, Bears win 24-21 seems very plausible. You still get that cover pretty easily. That's what I'm worried about. Steelers-Broncos okay. is the easiest one on the schedule. That's going to be that's going to be the one because I want the Steelers. They're at home. The Broncos, you know, you lose Von Miller. 
the, the secondary is, is okay, but you know, you're, you're not having, it's not a great defense. And then the offense, as you and I noted, didn't really take a step forward with Pat Shermer as the new offensive coordinator. Uh, we saw a lot of the same play calling. I, I have to tell you, man, I think that it was a really close game. They lost it to Tennessee. Tennessee was dealing a lot with the altitude. I think Big Ben at home and, and lighten it up with his receivers in this one uh, because of the whole Benny Snell, James Conner, who's going to start there. I think they tilt towards the passing game and expose the Broncos a little bit more. So that, to me, that's the one that I feel okay. the most confident with. But, you know, then again, once it happens to be the uh, one of the top five taken in the Super Contest, well, then, where do we, then where do we sit? Then you know, uh-oh, we went the wrong way. Yeah, I, mean, I think that the really good point about Pittsburgh-Denver, to me at least, is that this is the kind of game where if, if Pittsburgh's up like 21-3, I think it's over. Like I, I don't think Denver's in that position to be a comeback team, whereas there's a lot of other teams on the board that potentially could. All right, let's close it out with the night games. We got Seattle minus four Sunday night against New England, and the Saints minus five and a half against the Raiders. Some murky injuries, of course, on the side of the Saints with Michael Thomas, Howard, and, and look, what's happening here? is uh, is the Raiders uh, certainly are, are getting a little bit of love after their week one win against Carolina. The question is, is it too much love? I feel like it might be a little too much love. I do. But then again, you know, the Raiders, this is the first game in Las Vegas. This is this is the debut of the NFL in Las Vegas. With no fans. With no fans, but you've got the Saints coming in. Now, the Saints played a good but not great game. They lost Michael Thomas. Now the question is, is do they have the receiving core to really kind of help back it up? I think with the improvements that the Raiders made, this would be a home dog who I think uh, could keep it close. I think they could keep it within a field goal. I don't see the Saints really blowing them out and running away with it at all. Mm, interesting. All right. Well, listen, our final picks will be had, and you can watch our live streams every Saturday night over on Wager Alarm and wageralarm.com on our YouTube stream. And you can watch Howard and I each and every Friday take our midway look, I would say, at the lines for the Westgate Super Contest. And of course, we post all of our picks each and every week. As we mentioned, three and two last week. If we go three and two every week from now till the end of the season, Howard and I will make a lot of money. That's how it, it seems easy enough to do. Trust me, it is not. <laughs> Howard, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you and see you on Saturday night and see you right back here next Friday. Thanks so much, Craig. Always a pleasure. All right, Howard Bender. Catch him over at WagerAlarm, wageralarm.com, and for great fantasy content, of course, at fantasyalarm.com. We'll take a quick timeout right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia joins me back here next. So make sure you stay on the grid. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, as we dive into a little fantasy or reality here on this Friday, the 18th of September. And certainly before we do that, 
Just a couple of quick uh, news and notes here from the NFL as we're getting practice report information. We give it to you as we get it. Henry Ruggs of the Las Vegas Charters, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, did not practice again today. And so, Joe, even though he completed the last game against the Carolina Panthers, he would seem to be in doubt for Monday night, probably have to find a replacement for him. Now, he's had eight strikeouts. Yeah, and another update as well. It looks like there might be some rain in the forecast in Seattle, and that is why so far the NFL has not the game. It seems like it's sometimes Saturday or Sunday they're expecting that. So Radio that's the latest. Trying Network. to do a little homework here <laughs> while you're doing the interviews so and really uh, pulling the weight here, here, trying to find out some more information. There are some discussions about it, but it seems like as of right now, the NFL has no plans as of us at this moment on Sports Grid to move this game. But you never know how things could change. But I guess that is their thinking that there's going to be some weather that's going to help out that situation as we get closer to Sunday night as opposed to day games and things like that going on in Major League Baseball on a Saturday. So I guess that's part of the mindset and all of that. Plus, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Craig. <clears throat> I know we were very multitasking last night between the Miami Heat and obviously the Marlins and obviously the game. But did you see that Joe Buck in, in the fame? I don't know if you caught that. They actually uh, surprised him on the broadcast at halftime and made the announcement. And uh, congratulations to Joe Buck, the first father-son duo uh, in the broadcast wing of the NFL Hall of Fame. So a pretty big moment right there. Yeah, no, that's that's really awesome. And 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 by the way, it's like if you're a broadcaster uh, of any kind, you're sort of in the line of fire. And and Joe Buck has been right in the line of fire for many years. It seems like no one's ever happy with uh, a broadcaster. And uh, look, Joe Buck has has been at the top of his game now for about 25 years. Also, was of course a St. Louis Cardinals broadcaster before that. So hard to say anything except for well deserved. He's accomplished a lot over the course of his career. And I'm sure he still will. He's the primary guy on the World Series. He's the primary guy on the NFL Game of the Week and uh, on Fox. And uh, I think he does a good job. But, you know, of course, everyone thinks that he hates their team. And that's what goes on in sports. You know, goes on in it's so much I don't think it's fair the heat he gets. I really don't. I think that guy, and I think he handles it so much better. Like the people who make fun of him. And every now and then he'll jump in on Twitter and make fun of himself. Or do, I think he handles the heat that he gets. Possibly better than any other broadcast or anybody else in the public eye. I love personally when Joe Buck kind of goes right back at somebody or says, oh, yeah, you're right. That guy, Joe Buck, is the worst or whatever. That Like, he's always in the joke. And I think that's, I don't know, I find that really cool. Like, I think that's awesome. I think that's the way to handle that stuff is, yeah, don't take yourself too seriously, even though you take your job seriously. And the fact that that guy goes back and forth in October between baseball and he's doing all these baseball games. And I remember last year watching the World Series games. Then, you know, a couple hours later, basically, he's on a flight going to some other place to call the football game. And now him and Troy Aikman are now after this past season, the official second longest team calling NFL games together right behind Madden and Summerall. So that in and of itself is an incredible achievement. So I'm all for it, man. Joe Buck, let's give Joe Buck some love, man. The guy's been around forever. And I think in 2020, we can all agree it'd be nice to have some things that we could count on. And I think we can count on Joe Buck and Troy Aikman every Sunday. And that's a good feeling as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's dive in a little fantasy or reality here as we close out the show. We'll start off with the NBA, the Miami Heat, uh, off to now a 2-0 start in the best of seven series in the Eastern Conference Finals. Of course, there's essentially no home court advantage, although the Celtics logo is on the court. It's really not home court at this stage. Everyone is playing in the bubble in Orlando. Uh, fantasy reality, Joe, the Heat's going to sweep the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll say fantasy. I think uh, the Celtics will eventually win a game here. I mean, I think teams at this level, when you get this far into the playoffs, have a lot of self-respect for themselves. 
So I'm going to say they're going to win a game, maybe two. Um, but certainly Miami's gotten out of the gate really hot. They seem like the team that is firing all cylinders. So if they're going to win, you better hurry up, boys, because uh, you're falling behind right now. It's not a good scene for you. You're 0 2. That's not what you want to be. We take an epic comeback to get in there. Do they have the talent to do it? Absolutely. But sweeps are tough. Sweeps usually, when I think of sweeps, I think of dominant teams and teams that really don't belong there. I think Boston deserves to be there. So I could see them winning a game, maybe two. I don't know if this is going to go to seven. But uh, that's my take on it. Craig, what's yours? Fantasy reality, this is going to be a sweep. I mean, based on the first two games, I'd say fantasy because they were both very close and they came down to the end and the Celtics certainly could have won both. I wouldn't say they should have won, but they could have won both for sure. And and I think at some point they will get a win, but I would tell you that usually when teams go down 0-3, they do get swept. And so if they don't win the next one, uh, a sweep could be in order. But look, uh, the Boston is still favored, by the way, in game three. And then they're going to wait until Wednesday to play game four. Ironically, they don't want to uh, fight against Sunday night in the NBA or fight against Monday night. So uh, they're going to play Wednesday night, and, and we're going to have to wait three days uh, for game four after game three. So I'll say fantasy, but if the Heat wins the next one, I think they will sweep because usually teams at that point give up. It's just the nature of sports. Usually teams, when they're up 3-0, they do sweep. Okay, uh, fantasy reality. Here's our next one. President of the United States has basically put the kibosh on uh, TikTok, the app TikTok. It's, uh, it's gone after the weekend. He's been talking about doing this for a long period of time. Uh, of course, it's made by Chinese developers, and I, I think there was some discussion about bringing it to the U.S. and having somebody else take that over. I guess that never came to fruition. Uh, I had TikTok on my phone probably for about two days, maybe three at the maximum, and then realize that it's just a rabbit hole of videos of people just doing the same thing over and over again, 20, 30 seconds. So I didn't want to make this fantasy reality question just about me, Joe, or just about you. So I suppose let's make it about you, me, or someone else. Fantasy or reality, you or someone you know will miss TikTok when it is gone from all the app stores this weekend. Uh, that is uh, a fantasy. No, no one in my uh, immediate sphere uses or cares about TikTok, and I'm very lucky. Now, I have two daughters, ages 8 and 10, <clears throat> so you would think they would be right in that uh, vein. But you know what? My kids, <laughs> outside of virtual learning, my kids aren't the biggest screen kids in the world, which I'm very grateful for. But I, I think this is a bigger issue, and I want to turn it into a political show. But you know, I, I don't think we could be banning platforms and things like that, no matter what's going on, uh, because it seems like that's kind of the whole point of the country we live in. You know, just because you don't like what a platform did or said or whatever it is, it's kind of the whole freedom of speech thing. And I think TikTok is about as dumb as it gets personally. But uh, I know there were some other things going on with TikTok and where a bunch of people went in and, well, used some of the TikTok things to get together and, well, kind of spoiled some of the plans that our president had. So I think that's where all this is coming from. I think that is a far more dangerous question there to talk about. But uh, that being said, I will not miss any of the dances. I will not miss any of the nonsense. I, I don't get TikTok, don't have TikTok, probably won't have TikTok. But Craig, I know you were saying that TikTok was going to take over not that long ago. So I'm kind of curious if you think that, is it going to take over or you know, is this the end of TikTok here in the US? My, my guess is that before this is all done, that somebody will end up taking it over, whether it's Microsoft or someone else. Uh, either in the same form or another form, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, I do think it's still wildly popular. Uh, my daughter does use it occasionally. So I think that it is a reality that she will miss it. My daughter's also a little bit older than, than yours. So 
Uh, and I do think it's more of a 12, 13, 14 year old thing than it is an eight or 10. So that's certainly possible. My son couldn't even care less about what it is. He doesn't even have an app to be able to download. So it doesn't matter to him. Excellent. So I won't miss it. My daughter will miss it a little bit. And I do think it will survive in some form. It may just not survive in the form that you know it as, or as you know it, but I think it'll be back. I still think it'll be very big. The attention spans in this country have gone from two hour movies to 30 minutes to 20 minutes to 10 minutes. And now we're at like 30 seconds, which is essentially what TikTok is. Everyone just wants something for 30 seconds and they want to be done. So, uh, okay. Now let's close it out here. This is a really interesting story. A man who basically acquired a signed baseball bat back in 1994 from Michael Jordan when he was playing with the Birmingham Barons uh, ended up throwing this baseball bat in the back of his trunk. And it leads to a lot of questions, a lot more questions and answers, honestly, for me, such as who has a car for 26 years? Um, why not get rid of this car after 26 years? Now, again, it, the story is a little murky, but at the very least, this man says, and it has been confirmed, that he found this bat signed by Michael Jordan. has got pictures to prove it. And uh, he is going to put it up for auction, and he is going to sell it. What will the price be? Hard to say. There aren't a lot of these in existence. I don't think this is going to be a million-dollar item by any means, but, you know, could fetch 100000 200000 certainly could be the case. So I would ask you, Joe, since we talked so much memorabilia in the in the early part of the summer and spring about this, if you found a Michael Jordan signed bat in the back of your trunk and just had it, would you keep it and not sell it? And the fantasy reality question is that you would keep it and not sell it. Is that fantasy or reality? It's fantasy. I'm going to sell that bad boy. Look, I mean, I, I've spent enough time with you now in 2020 to understand where things are at. And I got to tell you, the whole novelty memorabilia thing is is less of a deal to me. I, I don't care. So what? So so he's a basketball player that played baseball for a few months. I don't care. That's great. If you think that's really interesting and cool and interesting and different and you want to give me $100,000, hey, $50,000, I'll tell you what, $1,000. Done. Sold. Take it off my hands. What am I going to do with it? I what, Michael Jordan signed baseball bat. Now, if you're telling me, that you've got a, I don't know, the Michael Jordan autographed jersey from when he last won his final championship. And I find that in my trunk. That's a little different, you know, because I'm talking about association with Michael Jordan. Heck, I've got, uh, you can't see it above me here because my big giant bald head. I've still got my Michael Jordan framed from a kid uh, frame when I was about like 12 years old or so, the Dream Team jersey. So I'm a big Michael Jordan mark, bigger than most. But in terms of the bat, Nah, I got no time for that. I got in love for it. Sell it. Take it away. Give me the money for it, Craig. I'm going to ask you the question, but I'm pretty sure I know your answer from spending all this quality time together this year. You're selling this bad boy too, am I right? Yeah, there's no question that I would sell it and I would get it authenticated and then get rid of it for sure because and we're also in a time right now where a lot of people are buying memorabilia and, and sports cards and everything else. It's just there's a big boom in that right now. So what better time than to do it now well, the only better time would have been two months ago when the last dance was on because everybody was buying up everything that had to do with Michael Jordan. And and it's still a good time now. And so, yes, I absolutely would sell it. But I, I guess the bigger question does become that the story doesn't really add up for me. And we're just glossing over the fact, Joe, that this man said that it was in the back of his car for 26 years. 
And I have not known an, any individual that has ever owned a car for 26 years. So to me, I'm, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or poke holes in the story, but, but I hope you understand that I just, that, that part of the story doesn't add up for me. Uh, no, I mean, unless he's like some sort of weird vintage car collector guy, which, you know, I, I watch the, uh, the comedians in cars getting coffee. Jerry Seinfeld, I know, has a bunch of cars like that that he's had for many years. So I don't know if you were that kind of dude, okay. But you're right. Something doesn't add up there. It seems like maybe a, a piece for Unsolved Mysteries or something like that. Perhaps we need to dig a little deeper into what's going on here. Who knows what else he's got in that trunk? Yeah, he supposedly has some other things in the collection, but he just randomly said that didn't know he had it. And then there it was after 26 years. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that I will find in a drawer or my garage or a shelf or a, a closet somewhere and say, oh, I forgot I had that. I don't know, man. If, if I had something signed by Michael Jordan, I don't think that I would forget that I had that item. Especially the guy claims it was his, too. Like, he got it in person. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports today with you here on SportsGrid. Of course, stay with us all weekend long. And Joe, before we get into the SportsGrid 60, I know that Sunday morning is a very big time for you here on uh, on our network as you got the entire fantasy gamut covered, 8 a.m. Eastern. What's on deck for the show? And then go ahead and give us your Sports Grid 60. All right, boys and girls, 8 a.m. Sunday morning right here on Sports Grid, sportsgrid.com. Anywhere you watch Sports Grid, it's me. It's the Eric Young. It's the Matt Stryker breaking down all things fantasy for you, getting you ready for your DFS, your season-long and get you a couple laughs in between. So get your coffee, get your game day on, 8 a.m. right here on SportsGrid. And here we go. Let's do the 60. Joe Burrow is good. Congratulations, Cincinnati. You got yourself a quarterback. Now, a little cautionary tale. Please protect your quarterback. I understand you're one of the best players right now on your offensive line, but you need to do a better job of scheming to keep this guy upright. I don't care if you need two guys in the backfield, three guys in the backfield. I don't care. Figure something out because the last thing you want is to have an Andrew Luck situation on your hands where your prized piece of your future, your franchise quarterback that you absolutely hit on with the right guy, can't stay upright, can't stay healthy because he's on his back most of the time. Uh-uh, can't do it, won't do it. So Bengals, take a lesson from the Colts. Do a good job this year, next year in the offseason, in the draft. Address that offensive line because I think you have something special here with Joe Burrow. All right, well said on Burrow. And, of course, Burrow played at LSU last week, a week from today. We'll be talking about LSU being back on the field a month from now. We'll be talking about the Big Ten. So what in the world's going on with the Pac-12? Look, I'm all for safety, and I'm all for health. And I probably am more careful than most in terms of going out and doing things, me and my family alike. But you, the Pac-12 has got to wake up and allow these kids to play and get back on the field. Uh, I understand that they want to be cautious and they want to be careful. But I think that what we've proven is that a season can be played can be played with some hiccups and some stoppages and a lot of safety, but you do not want to ruin these kids' opportunities to play at the next level. And certainly at this point, with all of the other conferences playing, it would be nice to see the Pac-12 jump back in. That will do it for the show. Thanks again, of course, to Brett. Thank you to Danny. And, of course, thank you to everyone who watched this here on Sports Grid. Joe and I will be back on Monday. 
from my co-host Joe Pizzapina. I'm Craig Mann. Have a great weekend and in fantasy this week. We'll talk to you then. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.